0: Welcome to Pottery Visited, episode 21. Today we are discussing chapter 3 of Chamber of Secrets, The Burrow. Or, as we like to call it, Grand Theft Auto. Or better yet, Weasley Grand Theft Auto, because of all the crime they commit.
1: There's a lot of crime. Before
0: we jump in, I just wanted to talk about that. I love... The description of just the Weasleys in their house because I feel like I relate to it so much because growing up, my house was like the hub where you had everyone over. Yep, yes it was. My parents were like the Weasleys where you just like wanted to have everyone over all the time.
1: Yeah, we were always at your house. All right,
0: so starting off, I love that at least one person is concerned about Harry and it's Ron, even though Ron is literally 12 and an adult probably should have done something at this point. But, you know, adults aren't like, smart in the Harry Potter series.
1: I wonder if the twins were aware of how horrible Harry's home situation was and were on board for that, like, okay, he's being abused, he needs to be rescued, or do you think they had no idea and Ron was like, we need to rescue Harry, and they're, like, stealing a car, driving without a license, trespassing, kidnapping,
0: we're in! I think it's a bit of both, because we know that Ron's brought this up to his parents, like, a lot, but like, Carrie's not responding, I-, I am very concerned. And they, they did say when he gets there that, like, Mr. Reesley was planning to do something if they hadn't heard by, like, a certain date. But I just feel like Ron was venting to the twins because he's probably the closest to them, being like, oh, like, I haven't heard from Harry, like, and I know that his aunt and uncle, like, aren't very nice, and then, like, I wish I could just go get him, and the twins are like, hey, this sounds like a, an adventure. <laughs> we're down. Time for some trouble. <laughs> so at this point, we know that Ron's 12, and the twins are probably about two years older than him. Yeah. So how old would they, would they be, 15? Or 14. Yeah, I don't know what the
1: driving age is in the UK. But I highly doubt they have licenses or learner's permits because most wizards don't fly. So, like, they wouldn't know
0: to go get a driver's license. I mean, that's probably, like, a country thing. Like, the Louise's grew up in, like, a kind of a farm country. I know people that live in, like, rural areas, they, like, don't technically have learner's permits. But they learn how to drive pretty young because, like, there's nothing out there. Yeah, dirt road driving. We start off that the twins and Ron arrive at Harry's window and... They're in a flying car, and they've come to rescue him and bring them back to their house. And my one thing is, did no one notice this flying car that was just, like, parked in midair by Harry's window? Like, do no one at Privet Drive, like, wake up at, like, 2 a.m. for, like, a glass of water or something and just see this out their window?
1: Maybe they've got a tree in the front yard. (laughs) I don't know. I think... On the off chance that someone was up and looking out their window that early, they probably would assume they're dreaming or hallucinating. Or it's just Mrs. Fig and she's like, meh,
0: typical, <laughs> classic wizard shenanigans. Yeah. So um, Harry's, all Harry stuff is locked in the upper under the stairs and the twins just so happen to know how to pick a lock, which just seems so fitting. <laughs> yeah, it seems a little bit like a cheat, like, oh, and they happen to
1: know how to pick locks. Yeah, But I kind of like it in that... You could totally see Mr. Weasley as the kind of guy who has a bunch of like muggle padlocks lying around at home just to mess with and like I wonder what these do how do they work and then the twins like oh dad has this thing that he plays with we should figure
0: out how to cheat it you know cheat code locks. I feel like it's just up the twins alley like they're like they have the kind of minds where they want to know how things work and how to like because they're always like messing around with something in their bedroom as Ron says later in like the book. Yeah. So I just feel like like they just for like saw a padlock or some kind of lock and were, like you know it would be cool if we could learn how to open this without magic. Yeah,
1: they definitely, they have an interesting mindset for wizards. Because I feel like most wizards would find something like, I don't know how to open it, or I don't know how to do this. And the first response would be, oh, I need to find a magic way to get through this. But the twins are too, like, creative and deceptive. They're just as interested in non-magical options as magical ones.
0: Yeah, they definitely have a creative brain and like, how they interpret stuff. And, like, especially for wizards. Because wizards just feel, I feel like once you have... Magic, it kind of like you don't think outside of that, but they're very much outside the box thinkers. Absolutely. There is no box. Despite Vernon's best efforts, Harry is able to get all his stuff into the Weasley's car, almost forgetting Hedwig, but thankfully, Hedwig is not one to be forgotten. Thank goodness for Hedwig. So he runs back and gets her, and Harry's like, classic Sassy Harry, where he's just like, see you next summer as he's leaving. Love Sassy Harry. I love the whole rescue mission. It's such a cute
1: fun romp you know it's just it's fun it's lighthearted. it's it's one of the things I love about the earlier books before the world gets too serious that's just pure fun I love it the breakout attempts
0: Ron tells Harry to let Hedwig out to stretch her leg uh, her wings sorry and I'm just like, poor Hedwig's, like, if she hasn't been out since, like, Harry returned, that's, like, a month that she's just been, like, in this, like, static position. Yeah, that's, she's gonna
1: have been having a really, really rough go of it. I also think, speaking of creatures or beings that are grotesquely mistreated, they talk about Dobby and refer to him by saying who owns him. And that's just such a... Yeah, it's just very jarring. Yeah, it's it's kind of an unexpected thing to pop up in, like, a, a kid's book. I mean, I think it's good. I think kids should know about the realities of the world, and there are inequalities like that, and those things exist. But like, it's jarring the first time you're like, wait, that like talking character with a personality
0: and like its own thoughts and feelings is owned by someone. That's horrendous. So they talk about um, why Harry couldn't get like his letters, which was Dobby, and so he explains the whole house House story. And yeah, Fred and George kind of explain the backstory, like, oh. Like, his, they, his masters, and they have really powerful magic, but they can't use it unless their master says it's okay, and then only rich family owns them, and they're passed down through generations. And it's just, like, Fred and George are, like, like early teens, and it's just, like, the, the whole... Like, then they don't even think about it. It's just, like, how we talked about, kind of, last episode, with the way Ron, kind of, describes house cells being, like, oh, they like being enslaved. But it's just, like, that's the society they grew up in, but we're seeing it through, like, our own perspective, from our own worldview, and it's just, like, having a creature that is sentient and like has thoughts and feelings and personality the idea that someone owns him and he's not like yeah free abled is like uh, uh, it's just so disturbing yeah
1: and it's so hard to see that coming from characters who are intrinsically good the idea that the weasleys are even like oh yeah wizards own house elves it's fine it's so shocking because they're such an example of
0: like goodness. Yeah, but it really shows that like not everyone, like you can be good, but you can still have like gray views.
1: Yeah, huge sort of blind spots to certain issues that you just don't even consider.
0: Certainly, yeah. So I was wondering, we talked a bit about this last episode, but I was wondering, so Fred or George, I can't remember which one, but one of them says that house elves have really powerful magic that they're not allowed to use. So I was wondering what kind of powerful magic that they have. I mean, I always just thought it was a completely different like
1: school of magic or like source of magic you know what i mean like like almost like every type of magic is a different element sort of and and wizards are fire and elves are earth sort of like it just comes from a different place it or originates from some other part of them and it's a completely different like language of magic because they're de- like they don't have to recite
0: spells, they don't have to have wands, they don't have wand movements. Yeah, they don't have the restriction of like I think wizards magic has to go through them to their wand to be able to use it. Yeah. At least safely. Because we know like as kids you do magic by accident. But it's very like And wandless magic is the thing that you learn once you're advanced. More controlled. But I feel like hell cells have that ability where like they're able to just apparate and apparate wherever they want. And we know with Dobby like basically defends Harry from from Lucy's at the end of the book using some kind of like really powerful stunning spell yeah they have some kind of magic and they don't they're not like basically they don't have to do it through a wand they can just do it they have a lot of control so if they weren't controlled by wizards they'd probably be very powerful absolutely 100% it's neat magic it's cool it's
1: neat that it's not restricted in the same way magical like wizard magic is restricted it's interesting how poorly people it's how like What a missed opportunity it is for people to, like, befriend house elves and, like, learn from them about their type of magic and, like, work together to do good magical things. And instead, they're taking these wonderful, sometimes insightful, clever, friendly house elves and just having them do, like, basic housework and, like, chores and, like, when they could actually really probably
0: contribute a lot to the way magical society Wrens. Feels like since wizards were forced into hiding from like, I guess, muggles and like the witch trials and stuff in the past, that once they met other creatures that probably had the same magic ability as them or more powerful, they're like, now you, we're going to force you below us. Yeah, it's such a... And it's just a cycle. Because yeah, we see that with all the creatures, like with the goblins too, it's just like the goblins work for the wizards. And we know goblins could have more magic, but the wizards were restricting it because they don't, they want to control them. Yeah. Wizards are kind of assholes. I mean,
1: not all of them, but their society is structured on inequality and subjugation of others, and it's pretty douchey overall. In regards to, like, foreshadowing, a lighter topic to that... It's interesting how on page 29, they already suspect that Dobby could be the Malfoy's elf. It's like early on, pretty good thinking on the part of the kids.
0: Yeah, because Harry kind of like, because we don't know kind of like what old wizard families are. And we get more to that in the, later in the series. But Harry kind of already interprets that Malfoy is a very well off person. And he know he Malfoy talks about his parents all the time. So he kind of interprets like, oh, Malfoy's probably like an old family name and the fact that the Weasleys, like, know who the Malfoys are. He
1: definitely, uh,
0: I mean, I'm sure Draco says it a lot first year. He's like, I'm from one of the most respectable pure blood families. Blah, 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 blah. You can trace me back five generations or more. All the way back, or else you don't know for certain that they're pure blood. Speaking of foreshadowing, Lucius Malfoy was suspected of being in a Death Eater, but he claimed that he was under the Imperial Curse, and Mr. Weasley suspects out of, like, no, he has no evidence, but he suspects that Lucius was in the Inner Circle, which is true. Mr usually just he knows yeah i mean it's probably an air of confidence that malfoy carries himself with like i feel like in
1: like a cult society sort of like the death eaters are once you've reached a certain level of closeness to the dark lord you're you see yourself as being superior to so many people around you that you can carry yourself with that air of superiority and lucius malfoy has that with almost everyone so it just feels like the way he acts is representation of his status in that group so it's like, wow, you're a real pretentious dick. You must be pretty close to the Dark Lord.
0: Correct. Turns out to be true. So, um, Harry asks about like about Mister Weasley and what he does because we had kind of Ron's kind of provided like what his siblings are doing, but not what his dad does. So his dad works in the Ministry, and the kids don't seem very interested that he's working in protecting Muggle artifacts from was like um, for Muggles and just anything to do with Muggles. But I do think it's kind of. A, really important job because that protects like this like the sacredy or the secrecy of the wizards and I just feel like they make it seem like it's just like like accounting like my dad's an accountant and they make it seem like it's like that.
1: I think um a probably part of it is that like it's not the most exciting job like it's probably a lot of like research and investigating and paperwork because I feel like the Aurors are the ones who would get sent out to do a lot of like the big confrontations so it's probably pretty boring like desk job most of the time writing up bills and stuff and laws and I think that's of no interest to kids like I can see that being of no interest to younger kids especially when the Weasley kids are still pure bloods who probably don't have a lot of interaction with like muggle children so they don't really they're like Oh, dad fights objects that are slightly enchanted. Oh, oh no, mom's evil whisk and blender are coming to get the muggles.
0: I think especially being like a young, young boys, like back then when my brother was young, he was interested in like more like, exciting careers and now he's an accountant. But um, back then, like you're you're looking for things that are exciting for you because attention spans and everything and- Exactly, it's not a flashy job. Office jobs don't seem very interesting to you when you're like 13. Yeah,
1: exactly, and especially when you don't understand the actual risk of it. And it's hard for them to take the threat and danger of enchanted muggle objects seriously when their dad sort of abuses that law at home so much. Like, they're like, okay, enchanted
0: muzzle artifacts are dangerous, but not so dangerous that we shouldn't just have them in our house. Speaking of that, I was just like, it doesn't really seem smart for Mr. Weasley to be writing these laws about protecting muggle artifacts and then just bringing things home and doing what he wants with them. Like, he says he's just seeing how it works, but we know he's doing more and his kids know he's doing more. So it's just seems just like such a big risk to take for someone who's just like in the government job. Yeah, doesn't really have a lot of savings and has a lot of kids like he has a lot of like responsibilities. Yeah.
1: And to be fair, I feel like people who make the laws are often the people who break them the most. They write in their own loopholes, much like Mr. Weasley did in those laws where he's allowed to have them if he's just doing research or learning. But I also think it's a little bit less of a risk because it's. They're like, they probably live far away from the city. They don't live near muggles and they don't interact with muggles a lot. So, worst case scenario is his wizard children take his muggle artifacts that are enchanted, like they do. But it's a lot less risky than someone who, say, lives in the city right around a bunch of muggles. And even more so when people intentionally enchant the objects with malicious intent. Like, they're like, I'm intentionally going to enchant this object to piss off muggles, to hurt muggles, to scare muggles. So I think there's a little bit of the intent to it. At some point, it's like Mr. Weasley could be charged with like negligence, but people who had malicious intent could be charged with like assault or homicide,
0: you know? Yeah. Wizard law. (laughs) The twins and Ron bring Harry and they pull up to their house, which is called the Burrow, which is so cute. The first thing I want
1: to say about
0: the Burrow is it sounds
1: like the most warm, cozy, and yet like cluttered delightful place like it gives me like hobbit hole feelings even though it's like a tall house with a bunch of floors and not a hole it just feels close and but like a good sense of cramped like not there's not enough room cramped but like there's so many things and you're close and cozy and like it's it's such a perfect name for
0: it it really is i was thinking about this while rereading the chapter that most of the like the places that we go to in harry potter all like the residents have like names like the, the louise's house place is called the borough there's grimald place there's harry's place in Hollow. like they all have like kind of like names and it's, like, is that like a wizarding tradition i think it's an English tradition like
1: in a lot of the shows I I watch a lot of like midsummer murders and stuff and it's like oh yes up at the old Hodgley estate and like it might not be the Hodgley's that live there like it was named after the original family who lived there so now that estate has a name that sticks around. That makes sense. So I, and, and in the case of like old Place it's the street name so I feel like it's just like referring to places like I lived on a street called Johnson for a while. And whenever I refer to something that happened there, I'm like, oh, and we were at the Johnson house, you know, so I feel like the British just take that a step further and have a nice fancy sign.
0: I just um, I love the image of the borough. So it's basically like basically a farmhouse that had like extra like extensions added on top of it with the more kids they yeah. have, and I think that the films at least in the beginning had a really good I like I love like the way they interpreted the house yeah especially in the Chamber of Secrets movie just it just looks like it could fall down at any moment
1: yeah I love that kind of like the Weasleys they're unorganized and they're a mess but somehow they're keeping it together <laughs> so when
0: they arrive at the burrow Mrs. Weasley ends up catching them and i was just wondering what her relationship with the twins is like at this point because um we know the Wheezy's are a close family and like they all love each other etc etc but she seems really hard on the twins and at this point she's really upset and she's comparing them to she's comparing the twins to bill charlie and percy a lot of the time and it happens a lot in like the next few books and it just feels like um i was wondering if this is maybe part of the reason why their relationship with percy is so strange because you can definitely relate people can relate to being like oh why aren't you more like your brother and it doesn't really help your relationship with them because percy didn't do all these things just to be praised he did them because he's an ambitious kid it's the kind of person he is it's what he wanted to be doing he probably did part of it to to be like because so it's only good for his parents to like praise him for because we know percy likes praise but also percy just wants more out of life but i just feel like the, the twins especially in the next book have like they're just like really their relationships a bit more strained i find i think part of it is that mrs weasley had a
1: bunch of kids and it seems like the earlier kids were fairly well behaved like i'm sure they got in their bit of trouble but overall they were pretty good kids you know head boy and all that so i think she got like a false understanding of what teenagers were like she was like okay they're gonna work hard they're gonna study and then fred and george were so out of left field like ron is the middle ground sort of when it comes to like stumbling into trouble but they didn't get ron first they got the twins first so they went from like really well-behaved kids who like want to do well in school and prioritize the things they prioritize to the twins who like seek out trouble and it's a little bit being shocked like how did I create these kids and a little bit like what are their motivations because I have no idea.
0: Yeah I feel like she at this point she doesn't really know how to manage them because also the twins are a lot different I think than Bill, Charlie, and Percy like Charlie was definitely more into things that weren't academics but the twins is just like the way they think and the way like their personalities are and there's two of them as well it's just just different like especially we will go into it more in with their career objectives and like how they clash with their mom over that but it's just like the Mrs. Weasley doesn't really quite understand them i
1: mean it's also they're very sort of like a classic family like they've got like a stay-at-home mom the dad has a desk job for the government they're, they, You know, they they're sort of have, like, a traditional idea of how things are going to go for their family. And the twins are out here being like, no, we're going to be rock stars and have, like, they're just sort of, not intentionally, but it probably feels like they're just rebelling against everything the family stands for. They're, like, probably feel, like, the way we feel when we look at Percy, we're like, oh, you think you're too good for the Weasleys and you think you're too good for your own family. Maybe there's times where the Weasley parents are like, oh, they the twins think they're too good or too smart or too something to just be happy with this lifestyle and like
0: living this way you know we do kind of notice that like the weasley's dynamic is kind of like he like you said mrs weasley's like the stay-at-home mom and like the homemaker mr weasley has a desk job we also notice that mrs weasley's kind of the more disciplinarian where arthur is more of like he just kind of goes with the flow of whatever mrs weasley said but if things are like like, really serious. Like, you know when he says, okay, that's enough. That he's, like, like, that's when you've gone too far.
1: Yeah. Certainly, uh, it's a very relatable sort of family dynamic, which is nice. And it's interesting to see how they treat the different children based on the types of things the children do and the way the children are. I feel like we were all a little deprived from not really getting much of Charlie, because I think maybe... Charlie had more in common with the twins than the other siblings maybe at times, and we didn't get to really see that, which might have given us a bit more of a perspective. But I definitely think it's it's just hard to have had kids that were pretty much straight arrows and then get the twins and sometimes feel like they're causing trouble for the sake of trouble,
0: you know? Especially being like that's like your fourth kid is it's actually four and five. Because I feel like having twins when you already had three kids – probably like one to two years apart is a lot so she probably like i say with like big families like you don't get really like the close one-on-one time as much as you would if you had less kids so i think a lot of the weasley boys at least and probably maybe jenny do feel like maybe like they don't feel they have like insecurity issues like we you know we get that a lot of on and it's because they have all these like perceived notions about how they're perceived by their family yeah it's definitely like a competition for the parents
1: attention and praise for sure in that family I also think that maybe a part of it with the twins is that there are our twins like the family was already kind of struggling financially and then Miss Weasley gets pregnant and there's two of them and like I don't have kids and I don't have twins but I can imagine it's probably hard like as soon as one baby twin falls asleep the other one starts crying and it's like you have to take care of them and you know like that's You don't get it. I mean, it's probably like that with all children, but it's probably worse when there's two
0: of them at the same age. I
1: don't know. Stressful. I would have given them both back.
0: No babies. It's a lot. We finally also get a glimpse of uh, Ginny. Ginny! She's
1: just this adorable, awkward, but she becomes such a badass. That's one of the things I love about Ginny as a book character is that Hermione sort of came off kind of a certain way early on and then sort of quickly becomes sort of like this almost perfect ideal I mean in the book she's a little more flawed but she's so smart and she does so well in school it's a little bit unattainable but Ginny is sort of this really interesting lower ground where you see her awkward weird stage where she's uncomfortable and has a crush on the celebrity or her brother's friend and then you really see her stop caring about how she's seen and become just like this little badass who does what feels right and has fun and she is such a relatable character to me I find like she's so down to earth And you can easily see so much of yourself in her. Yeah. Or at least I can.
0: I do like that she's like the kind of like she's not too similar to Hermione because I feel like at least the beginning of these books, like the only like main girl character that gets a lot of screen time, I would say, is Hermione because she's the main character. And then like we we don't Jenny doesn't become a really big figure until book five. And I just like that they're all very like different because I just feel like sometimes like female characters get written a certain way, yeah, into
1: really boring archetypes, yeah.
0: And it just, I just like that for the main girls that Hermione, Luna, and Genie are all, com- like, they're all great characters, but they're all completely different. Yeah, I agree. And I like that there is more variety to it.
1: And they're strong in different ways, and like they handle things differently. Like, yeah, they both they had different like strengths and weaknesses. And I kind of love the like the young feminist icon Ginny is just like I don't care if my brothers are also in this pub I'm gonna make it with my boyfriend because I can and I want to and no one will shame me because I don't give a shit like it's such a (laughs) like yeah Ginny you do you girl yeah like it's just she's just like could couldn't care less what the brothers think or anyone else here and it's it's awesome.
0: So when Harry takes, or uh, no, when Ron takes Harry out to the garden to denome it as their punishment, I was I just kind of figured out that in the UK, a backyard is what we we would call it is generally referred to as the garden. But when I think of a garden, I think of like plants and like like a, a garden with flowers and like vegetables and stuff. But but to them that it's just like the backyard space. So it kind of like changed the way I perceive the Weasleys like house because i think when i was thinking of it i was just thinking of like a garden area but now it's just like their whole backyard okay how it's described like harry describes that it's like very overrun and like not like super neat and precise like the the, that the drive is and i love the idea that wheezy just having these crazy plants and they have gnomes running everywhere and it's not super kept up but it's just like it feels more like someone lives there yeah absolutely homey like I picture like there's probably some weeds growing
1: but there's also probably like wild flowers and like that's my favorite you know Weasley doesn't Mrs. Weasley doesn't have time to like keep a perfect flawless garden and always have the lawn trim. she's busy she's got too many children so I like the idea of the sort of unkept long grass gnomes all over the place it it makes me happy I also would love to denome the garden. Like, I I don't want to abuse the gnomes because they're adorable, but I remember a game on the original Pottermore where you denome the Weasley's garden.
0: Oh, yes. I remember that.
1: And you, like, check them to see how far they could go. And, like, I don't know. It just seems like fun. It seems like the weirdest
0: punishment chore ever. Well, the old Harry Potter video games, that was usually a thing for Chamber of Secrets was in the garden.
1: Yeah, kind of tragic it was left out of the movies. Not that it was that important, but it would have been really cute to see.
0: One thing I like is uh, we Mr. Weasley comes back after his um, work day and he's talking about an incident from work and he name drops uh, Mundungus Fletcher. Which is so cute because like I think there's two Magnus Fletcher name drops but until we meet him in Order of the Phoenix. But I love hearing about the characters and just kind of like just because Magnus is a criminal, so he's like, oh, Magnus Fletcher is doing this, and then we meet him later, and it's like a little criminal. Yeah, very little criminal. And he's oh, we always meet him when he's doing crime.
1: Yeah, he's that's what he's known for. He's just out. And, well, I mean, to be fair, most of the characters have done crime at this point. Yeah, especially the children. <laughs> but uh. It's funny, we're like, oh, he's a criminal, he steals, whatever, cauldrons. Meanwhile, it's like, Fred George steal cars and abducts children, but that's cool. <laughs> In the Harry Potter context. Oh, childhood morality. I love it.
0: So Ron takes Harry up to his room for the first time, and Ron's kind of nervous about this because we know Ron has a lot of insecurity about like his parents' like financial status and like yeah not having the best of everything, and especially because he knows Harry lives with wealthy Muggles despite the fact that they like abuse him. Yeah. But um, I love the fact that Ron has like his Quidditch team that's like he's like super diehard for that is like last in the league, and it just reminds me of like maple leafs fans here in (laughs) toronto
1: (laughs) hey my team was last in the league
0: this year okay but like the leafs are always last.
1: they're bad they're really yeah they yeah the leafs are a curse i mean your team is a curse my team's had some good seasons we made it to a stanley cup final you know we we've been having some moments your team is cursed are you saying is this the hot take are the chedley cannons the toronto maple leafs of quidditch is that that's the take
0: I'm not sure if that's quite the take because I just don't know if, like, I know Ron is like they're always last, but they got they they got like a really great team, and it, it just reminds me of like when my brother and my dad talk about the Leafs.
1: It's exactly what Leafs fans are like. They're like, we might have lost in the first round again, but Austin Matthews.
0: Well, next year it'll be it, and I'm just I just feel that's just I feel like it's just like that blind like um hope or just like the underdog, especially. I am as a.
1: Blind sports fan who blindly supports her team most of the time. I, I completely understand it. I'm like, yeah, we were last in the league. But gosh, Cole Caulfield could have want a called her if he'd had a real coach earlier in the season. Like, for sure. It's what we are. We can't help it. And it also really humanizes Ron a bit more. For like, he's more relatable to people. To be like, oh, he's just like a regular kid who... St- Really, really loves his favorite sports team, even when they suck.
0: It definitely feels like a boy's room because it has like he has the posters all over the wall of his favorite Quidditch team, and it kind of goes back to like Harry finally being in a magical place where he can talk about Quidditch because that's one of the things he missed most. And just like Ron had these like little comics about like a muggle, (laughs) and just it's just bringing the magic back into the series now that we finally left the Dursleys, yeah. And they do a great job of that. It's a nice, I
1: love how Harry isn't like negatively overwhelmed with the Weasley's house. Like obviously it's lovely. So you wouldn't have negative feelings, but like the big sort of whiplash of going from like muggle this, muggle that don't even think the word magic to like, don't mind all the magic
0: and the ghoul in the attic. Yeah. Magic just exposed every corner. But the one thing Ron mentions is that his room is um, right below the attic where the ghoul lives. And I'm just wondering how did the Weasleys end up with a, uh, ghoul and also what is the difference between a ghoul and a ghost
1: oh uh well ghosts are the soul of a once-living wizard and or potentially muggle but ghouls i feel are always ghouls so they're not like a end result of death and i also kind of feel like ghouls probably seek out like dark cramped isolated spaces so things like attics and basements are sort of perfect maybe swamps caves you know And also, if they're magical creatures, they probably prefer those, like, dark, cramped places around magic, you know?
0: Yeah. Maybe the magic, like, I don't know, they need the magic around or something for their energy. Yeah. Miss
1: Weasley has too many kids to clean up after. She doesn't have time to go looking through the attic. So he seems to be safe
0: there. Why they never de ghouled the attic, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what the point of the ghoul was. But like, the ghoul actually does come back and plays like a pretty big part later. Like at the very end of the series. So it's cool to see like everyone's like, I got this stupid ghoul in the attic. It does nothing good for
1: us. Helps us in no way ever. Cannot imagine a single circumstance in which a ghoul could be helpful. He's like, oh, it's
0: so annoying. It's the worst. And then the ghoul comes in handy. Good job, ghoul. So one thing you mentioned is that Ron is uh, very insecure with Harry being like at his house despite rescuing him.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, I think it's definitely a the grass is greener on the other side situation. So Ron, knowing Harry A, is rich individually, but also came from a well-off household, thinks that Harry will judge him for not having nice fancy things and a super clean shiny house. But I think it's the kind of thing where like it's Ron's own personal anxiety because that's not the person Harry is but I think it's it's nice because it, it again it's like another level of humanization for Ron every single person out there has anxieties about things that probably aren't a realistic issue and they don't need to be so insecure about it but they are because that's just humanity So it's really interesting to see Ron's early on to see like this is one of Ron's big problems even with people who wouldn't judge him for it or don't care. It's going to continue to be a bit of an issue for him.
0: Yeah, we definitely see that Ron cares a lot about what Harry thinks and Ron always like he equals money to being better because he's never had it. But Harry has like generally what he would assume is nice things. But Harry who's like just used to like living like in squalor and Harry's just not used to like it's more just like I guess um not physical like it's the emotional richness of the richness of love and friendship and family and because one thing we'll talk about this later but like Harry just feels that people generally like him at the borough and he's not used to like being in a home where people don't like hate him avoid him or mistreat him and people want to talk to him and want his opinions on things
1: yeah I think it's definitely. People sort of always take for granted a bit what they have. And so Ron doesn't realize how valuable a family that just generally likes you is. Because he's
0: never not had that. The Weasleys are definitely rich in a different way. And like their family and their love and just like how they live their life.
1: Like if Ron needed a kidney, you know what I mean? He's set. There's loads of people who'd give him a kidney. Harry, not so much.
0: If Harry needed a kidney, the Dursleys would be like, bye. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, we sold your kidneys. (laughs) <laughs> we sold your kidney you know since you're gonna die anyway we figured do you have anything else you want to discuss about the weasleys or the burrow before we wrap up oh my gosh i could talk for hours about the burrow i would say one
1: of my favorite things about the burrow is miss weasley's magic clock yes i i, I gotta I, like i wish a new backstory to that clock i want to know like where she got it from if it was like a gift, who enchanted it? Because it seems like some pretty cool tracking magic.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if it was more like from the war, because we know Missus Weasley's backstory. I'm pretty sure it's established canon that she had two brothers that were that died in the war. Yep, Fabian and Gideon. Who were then like the friend George, were really the homage to them. And I feel like um, that mirror, because the the clock has all these like things, but also has like mortal peril and just like I just feel like something like, like if she was. By then she would have been married and had, like, like, at least Bill and Charlie. Like, I just feel like knowing where everyone was, like, maybe it would probably have, like, different hands. Like, maybe she wanted to know where her brothers were, where Mr. Weasley was, which just where people were, Cause at the time of the war, it was like, you didn't really know what was happening. Does that mean that, like,
1: when her brothers died, she had to, like, take their hands off the clock? And when, like, her next Ooh, child that's... was born, she had to, like, pin a new hand on the board? Like, oh, good. Two twins. Like, <laughs> that's traumatic. Right? Or is it like automatic and enchanted? Like you wake up one day, you go look at the clock and there's a hand missing and you're like, Oh shit, he's dead.
0: What do you think happened when Fred died at the end of Deathly Hollows? Like what did his hand just stay there?
1: My heart broke. That's what happened. I bet um yeah, I feel like Fred's hand fell off or needs to be removed. Or because he's always gonna be in George's heart, it's sort of like stuck to George's arrow. So whenever George's arrow goes somewhere, Fred's like drags along with it. Aw. That makes you want to
0: cry, but also it's really, it's really sweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to make you cry.
0: I'm a, i am I need to sue for emotional damage from the Fred death. I feel like a lot of them were rough on Guilty Hollis, but that was the one that I wasn't expecting for some reason. I don't know why I wasn't. I probably should have expected a Weasley to die, but I wasn't expecting one of the twins.
1: I wasn't expecting. No, I, I think it's cruel. Yeah, that's why i say saying it's so cruel. I know that's like hard. Like, it's so cruel because like she killed Fred and it sucks, but she destroyed George and makes him live like like I don't want either of the twins to die but it's heartbreaking to think that one of the twins died the idea that he has to like wake up every day for the rest of his life and look in the mirror to brush his teeth and see Fred staring back at him like makes me so upset like he, neither of them should have died but killing one of them is just when Miss Weasley sees the Bogart, she sees all of her family's dying and when she sees the twins they're dying together because even in her worst possible fears, she couldn't imagine fred and george not being together like
0: it rips my heart out not good times i don't want to talk yeah we this episode took a dark turn (laughs) just talk (laughs) trauma (laughs) if you were also traumatized by fred's death let us know
1: yeah if you uh talk about it in therapy same
0: (laughs) we'll start a support group
1: Alright, do we have any closing remarks?
0: Mostly, I just, like, the Weasley dynamic is just, I just feel so real to me, because I see a lot of my family in the Weasleys, and I love seeing, like, what a match. this is our first magical house, household that we see, so it's really cool seeing the differences from, like, how stark and, like, emotionless the Dursley's house is compared to the Weasley, which is, like, bursting at the seams with magic and love, and, yeah, just looking forward to Harry just having, like, a actual normal summer holiday with the weasleys who actually care about him
1: yeah people who actually treat him well imagine
0: imagine that in this series impossible
1: okay uh that's it for us uh once again i'm
0: shay i'm tori don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already you can reach out to us on social media at pottery visited or email us at pottery visited podcast at gmail.com and we'll be back next time to discuss chapter four of chamber of secrets and plots